Straight from the Mayor's Mouth, with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council. Hello everyone and welcome to Straight from the Mayor's Mouth. Hello there Matt, how are you this morning? Good things. What do you think of the new intro? The new right, song? It sounds like on Channel Seven News. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I really do. What a was, wonderful new title as well. That was the intention, and it's funny because some people have been talking about the podcast, and they say, "I really love it. It's it's like it's coming straight from the horse's mouth." Yes. Oh, I, there we go. There's the play on the words. That's I love right. It. And I thought about that a bit more. And some people do get a bit confused with the mayor being a female horse and the mayor being. The leader of a council, oh, so no, I thought very cryptic. Yes, that's right. Yes, so yes. I thought straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the mayor's mouth. It makes sense there yes. in some obscure way, but eh, another title, just a good well, chance to mix it up a little bit. I think I love that. We've produced thirty-one Meryl Memo podcasts so far, one every week without fail since we launched the first one on the twenty-third of October, twenty twenty-two. Of course, they've all been called the Meryl Memo podcast up to this point in time, but it's time to make a change from this week, and it's straight from the mayor's mouth. Change is always good if you think it's an improvement, so let's see. Well, if I feel as I'd probably need to wear a tie or something now. It's sort of, it's <laughs> very, has formal. That very formal sort of feel about it. Well, you can now wear a tie and a coat jacket and then a pair of shorts. <laughs> Be the That's classic exactly right. <laughs> A very typical newsletter indeed. All right, buddy, let's jump into it then. So look, uh, during the week, you had a, uh, a meeting there, a board meeting with the Energy Code board. Um, it was a bit of a dinner of sound acts, not actually a, a meeting, but a dinner. And you're pitching the idea of the REAC. So this is a bit of a, a tourism focus. So what actually is this, just for the listeners out there? Well, Energy Co. for a start, are the, or it's the government organisation. So it's set up like a, a board, like a separate or external organisation. They may right. even sell it off one day, who knows. Yep. But it's owned by the government. The Treasury set this up. So they treat themselves like an external organisation. They've got a board. They yep. had a board meeting in Dubbo on Tuesday, for example. They've got directors, in inverted commas, so they're not ISX 200 directors, sure. but at yep. some stage it may turn into that. But their job is to build the transmission lines that will support the renewable energy uh, zones. Okay. When we see down at Bedangra now, as you go down towards Sydney or even across to Mudgee, when you see all the wind turbines down there and you see the solar farms there, people talk about that as being the RES, the Renewable right. Energy Zone. Yep. But yep. technically, and I'm being a little bit pedantic here, that's not the res. Right. That's in the same area as the res will be, but they're not connected to the new transmission infrastructure. Right. And only those parts will technically be part of the res because there'll be some different charges associated with the res. But it's obviously an area where people are already building renewable energy yep. farms, solar farms, wind farms, etc. So the really big project for the Energy Co board and Energy Co in general is to build the transmission lines because in the past we've had the transmission of, through the creation of power, so Liddell Power Station, for example, yep. creation of power much closer to where the power is needed, mm. on the coast, closer to Sydney, closer to the major population areas. And then we've had a small amount of power coming out to regional areas because we don't mm. need as much power. Yep. It's going to be reversed now. The power is going to be generated in five renewable energy zones. The yep. most advanced one is the Central West Arana Renewable yes, Energy yes, Zone. Yes. We've talked about that a little bit. That's, yeah, that's right. Midwestern Regional Council, Warren Bungleshire Council, and of course, Dubbo Regional Council. There are other ones that are progressing. Probably the New England one up around the Armidale area is probably the second most advanced. That should be bigger than the one around us. Okay. But at this stage, <laughs> not, not sure how much bigger that will be. There's some changes there. Dubbo's one should be around three gigawatts. Right. The one around... New England should be around 8 gigawatts, but we heard in a meeting that we had this week that it may be Dubbo growing by a couple of gigawatts, maybe even more, and the one in New England might be reduced a bit. So a whole range of reasons for that. But 
the board had their meeting on Tuesday and they said, we're going to have a dinner on Tuesday night. Could you come along and have a chat to us and just meet some of the board yep. members yep. and have a chat? And I said, sure thing. James Hayes, the CEO, and I, I've met him a few times and a very nice guy. He's a Kiwi. Apart mm. from that, he's a very oh, nice guy. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll still maintain him as one of our friends. <laughs> and he had some major projects in his past. Christchurch Rebuild, that was one of his projects oh, really? that he was okay. heavily involved in. Yeah, right. He's been involved a little bit in the Snowy Hydro Scheme, some of that as well. Not anymore, but a couple of years ago he was involved mm. in that. But I said, James, just give me five minutes after dinner. Give me a little slot. Call it after dinner speaker if you like, mm. whatever. But I just need to pitch an idea to your board. And he said, oh, what is it, Matt? And I said, well, just trust me if you can. So yes, yes. I want to develop this idea a little bit further. So, so you gave no real notice in regards to what you want to talk about. <laughs> Not at all, no. He's a trusting man, isn't <laughs> he? Very he, trusting. He did trust me enough to say, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of leeway there and let you have a chat about something. And what I did do was I painted a picture, I think more than anything else. I painted a picture Excellent. of two other projects that we've had in Australia where I can see something similar happening with our mm. Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone. I went back to the Snowy Mountains Hydro Scheme, 17th of October 1949, that was officially started, and it was completed 25 years later. Mm. They didn't mm. actually connect the first, or didn't start generating the first power until 1955. Right. But in the early 50s, they opened up a visitor centre and education centre for yes. people to visit to learn about hydropower. You can imagine 1949, yeah. Yeah. people were thinking, what's this hydropower? I've never heard of hydropower. Yep. So that was something that they, the people who were running that, and let's call it Snowy Hydro, it was called a different thing at the time, it was different states involved, yep. but let's call it Snowy Hydro. They were clever enough to say, we need to educate the public. Mm. Jump forward to today, and you've now got the Snowy Hydro Discovery Centre in Cooma. Yes. And I've spoken to them because I want to get a bit of background information. They get over 100,000 visitors Is a year. Right? Wow. They get 150 yeah. school groups that go through there. Yep. And they're educating people, but also great for tourism in Cooma. 100,000 visitors. Absolutely. Fantastic. I remember going there as a kid. Exactly. I'm the yeah. same. I went there when we were at school. I went and visited there. And yeah. I... Learned a lot about hydro. River hydroelectric scheme. Yeah, so fantastic. So mm. I talked about that. Then I talked about the Parks Radio Telescope. CSIRO yes. owns that. They opened that on the 31st of October 1961. Now, people remember it and became, I suppose, famous in the beginning mm. for the moon landing on yes. the 20th of July 1969. And then a few months before that, back in February, 14th of February 1969, mm. they opened a visitor centre. They opened a, an observatory visitor centre. Now... Again, look at that today. Mm, mm. They get over 100,000 visitors. That's so right for again. parks, wow. that's go. fantastic. Yeah. Now, when you think about 100,000 visitors, yep. the zoo, 300,000 or 300,000 plus. Yeah, wow. So second, it's right up there, really. It's right. It? Second yeah, in yeah. this region would be the Observatory Visitor Centre over there in parks. Go. So even the Old Dubbo Jail doesn't get that many. No. Westmoreland's Cultural Centre doesn't get that many. So pretty impressive. So I talked to them about those couple of items and – the education that goes along with that mm. and the visitation. Mm. Then I talked about Central West Arana Renewable Energy Zone, mm. and there's no doubt about it in my mind, there's potential there for education. I mean, I drive an electric vehicle, as you know, yes. and I still get, and they were funny the first 150 times, but after 3,000 times, you get a bit tired, still get the <laughs> jokes about, oh, you've turned up an electric car, hope you brought your extension cord. <laughs> so there's probably some education to happen there. Yes, People yes. are still wondering why we need renewable energy. So a lot to learn there. And people are interested. And I think about out at Ningen, they've got a 102 megawatt solar farm at Ningen, and mm. that was opened back in 2016. It's over 250 hectares. Yep. They've got something similar at Nevertai, 132 megawatt solar farm there, over 202 hectares, opened in 2019. Both of those solar farms have got viewing platforms. Isn't that fascinating? Now, a solar farm 
is interesting, maybe-ish, but looking it's at 200... Seeing a lot of the same stuff all the time. <laughs> and it's not doing a lot. Yeah, sure, some do yes. track the sun, but some yes. don't. But that's pretty slow movement. But then... Think of the dish. I, I thought about that. The dish is a 64-metre dish that I stood there one there. day for two hours waiting for it to move. It didn't move for me. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, well, if you go to the, the Snowy Discovery Centre, the Snowy Hydro Discovery Centre in Kuma, yeah. where you can't even see no, the Snowy no, Hydro right. yeah, yeah, no yeah. turbines there at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And funnily enough, when I was talking about this to the board, one of the board members said, oh, yeah, I drove out to Ningen recently to have a look at that. And I went, what else were you doing in Ningen? No, no, I drove out just to look look at at that. that. So I said, I think there's potential here Mm. to create a REAC, a Renewables Education and Activity Centre. Yes. Down there near Bedangra. Thank you. It's got to be an acronym. I thought, you know it's serious. You know it's serious when you've got an acronym. You're not serious, that's it. (laughs) So I said... The idea here for Energy Co would be building some type of react mm. down around Bedangra there. Mm. And I thought when you start to think about what you can do, you can do education, you can show wind turbines, solar panels, a lot of people have yeah, got solar yeah. panels on the roof of their house. So yeah. you can do all these things, but you can also the AC part of it, renewables education, fine, that's what the other centres do, but yes. then the activity centre. So I started thinking about this wonderful idea of a mini wind turbine, just say mm. a 10 metre wind turbine. Yeah, yeah. And then I've been inside the gearbox of wind turbine and I find it fascinating or found it fascinating. Imagine going up inside a wind turbine, not a real yep. one, just a dummy yep. one, yep. and getting to this dummy gearbox at the top, but that would yeah. be your viewing area as well. Yeah, yeah. 10 metres, I mean, that's high enough. You could see 12 kilometres out before yeah. the curvature of the earth gets yep. you. So you've got a good view across this wonderful area of solar panels and wind turbines that actually do something. They're spinning. They're yeah, actually that's right. Actually, there's actually something to see for a change. And then the coup de grace was the... Ability for you to then abseil down the outside. Oh. <laughs> I haven't done the risk assessment on this, I must admit. <laughs> what do I think of that? Did they pay you that one? That's a they great lo- idea. They loved that love idea, that. but I could see someone who looked like they're in charge of risk assessment in Starting the corner quivering and, <laughs> and shaking. But I just think getting something like that running. Great idea. Imagine 100,000 tourists a year being injected into Wellington. Yeah, yeah. And the great part about the Bedangra area at the moment where you've got some activity there. It's only just outside Wellington. Yeah. The Parks Telescope, sometimes I talk to people from Parks and they say it's great people visit the telescope, yeah. but it's 20 k's out of Parks or yep. roughly 20 k's out of Parks. So it doesn't always bring people into Parks because yeah. at least at Bedangra you would definitely have people come in. Of course you'd have a souvenir shop, you'd yeah. have a cafe there. I think it'd be fantastic. Anyway, I'm going to keep talking. Every time I talk to Energy Co, I'm going to keep mentioning REAC. I'm just going to get to yeah, the stage keep, where REAC... keep sort of feeding it in there. Because yeah. I love the idea for two reasons. Number one, if you think about those other two areas you talked about, people go there for educational reasons and also because of curiosity. Yeah. And something like this, I'd suggest, fills that void beautifully. It really does. Yeah, so what a great idea. We'll keep talking about it. And one of the things, one of my absolute primary objectives with our renewable energy zone here is it'll be fantastic during construction. We'll have mm. 10 years of mm. thousands of people extra in our region for construction. Fantastic. But then after that finishes, we'll mm. have some community benefit funds. Mm. We're negotiating with the various proponents now to make sure so we maximise that. you're looking at something that. a bit more long-term. Correct. I want to have something there. Snowy scheme, 1949. Yeah. Still, here we are, yeah. 74 years later, 100,000 visitors a year to Cooma. Yeah. Same with the Parks Observatory, 1961 it was open, and here we are all these years later still. So something like that, where 50 years' time, people are coming along going, wow, isn't this great that this visitor centre here, this REAC is here, Mm. and we're injecting those people into Wellington from a tourism perspective and education. I think it'd be great. Well done. I noticed during the week here, Matt, that uh, you had the... Macquarie Anglican Grammar School Year 4 students come along and visit the chamber. 
Now, we've spoken about uh, this in the past where uh, the kids will come into the chamber and I do love this idea, bringing the kids back in there to see how local government works. How'd it go this week? Yeah, good, really good. And just seeing that raw democracy is fantastic. And typically year four is when kids are studying local government and I think probably all three levels of government. So mm. you get a chance to talk to them about that. But the really exciting part, I think, and also the kids like yeah. it as well, is where we then select a mayor and some councillors and a CEO of a council. We put yeah. them in all the chairs around the chamber. So a dummy meeting sort of format? Exactly like that. You Excellent. hit the nail on yeah. the head. And then I say to the kids, pick a topic that's interesting, that's being debated at the school at the moment, a topic of discussion. Chocolate ice cream is more favourable than strawberry sort of thing? Something like that, but even something more topical, mm-hmm. changing something at school. So they, they threw a few ideas around. One was about changing the bus bay for the different age of kids over at MAG, so that obviously oh, is a bit of an issue at well, the moment. They thought through this a lot more than I would have done at that age. That's very impressive. Well, that was one. There was another one there around the time you start school and finish school, so changing oh, those times. Wow. Another one around the holidays, so having fewer holidays in the middle of the year or throughout the year and then larger Christmas holidays. Jeez. And then then the last... These kids are very impressive. (laughs) That's right. The last one was bring a pet to school day. Yeah. Now, I said, right, let's let's start with the mocktail. Let's vote which one of those four we go with. They all went with bring a pet to school day. Ah, see, now that's more in my liking. (laughs) That's what I'd have probably voted for. But we didn't do that one because (laughs) I said, is this a no-brainer? They went, oh, yeah, we're all in favour of that. I said, no, I want something that's going to have some debate. I want something where there's different opinions. Yes. So we end up going with the... Changing the school day from nine to three to eight to two, oh. and so we debated that yeah. and had the mayor there running the meeting, and, yeah, and yeah. the mayor got to wear the chain. So oh, very she official. was very excited yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, and so we had the debate, and it was interesting, and it looked like it was going one way. It looked like it was definitely a go. More time after school, the kids were putting some quite sensible, logical arguments together, yes. and then one of the kids piped up and he said, well, I actually live in Narromine. What about kids that have got to travel a bit further to school? Imagine what time I'd have to leave. I have to leave now home about 8 o'clock in the morning to get to school on time. So I'd be leaving home at 7 o'clock in the morning to get to school on time. No bus is going to pick me up at 7. I don't think so. (laughs) So so what are you going to do? Start riding your push bike at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's what's going to happen. That's right. So then suddenly a few other ideas came up. I won't see mum and dad in the morning because mum or dad leave a bit later for work and I might see them. And it started to change around the whole yeah. thing. In the end, the, the mayor put the vote, all those in favour, all those against, and yep. it was lost. So oh, okay. from where it started off, I thought it was going to be a bit of a, a no-brainer. But yeah, it's just going to show sort of to the, the for the kids as well that the power of persuasion through words, and I think that's a wonderful thing that uh, if you present a really good argument, that uh, they can sort of get out at a bit of a pathos sort of a level, and then bring the logos in with the logic. Happy days. You've actually got something here that can convince people to actually think, well, wait a minute, let's just reconsider this for a bit. And what a great debate. I love yeah. it. And funnily enough, the teachers actually talked to me about the fact that they're doing a topic on persuasive writing right now. Uh, so uh, they thought that was a really good yeah, process. Very timely. But I also love the fact that they see raw democracy. The kids are putting arguments forward. They're discussing it. They're debating it. And then at the end of all that, you get a show of hands. And that's exactly, I said, this is exactly how a council meeting works, where yes. you, you have the debate. It goes back and forth and a show of hands. So that invitation is out there. It seems to have dropped off a little bit over the after the amalgamation and maybe during COVID, where all the year four, or all mm. the kids at year four in school across all the schools and W's to come along, mm. we're encouraging that to happen again. So we had a few come along, and again, the invitation's out there to any school. It doesn't have to be year four, but if they're studying local government and want to come along and sit there and have a bit of a discussion around it, it's it's a really interesting process. Yeah. And I think the teachers really enjoy seeing things that they learn or teach in the classroom actually translated to the real world. Oh, look, for my advice out there for all the teachers, take up the invitation. Matt, you're a very busy boy during the week, as you always are, but this week in particular had a couple of flights down there to Sydney. 
There was the first one there. You went down to have a bit of a roundtable meeting uh, with Infrastructure New South Wales. That's interesting. So this is a very important group, and I'd imagine from the point of view of the discussions, it could have been some uh, very interesting outcomes. So how did the discussion go? One of the things that's interesting is you get a new government in place, and they like to have a look at things. Yeah. Not necessarily to point the finger at the last government. Sometimes that is the case. But there's a bit of that going on as well, yes. A little bit of that, yeah, yeah. but sometimes just to have a review. So back in April, the Treasurer announced a strategic infrastructure review. So they appointed an independent reviewer, a gentleman by the name of Ken Kenofsky. Right. And he's basically sitting there and supported by Infrastructure New South Wales and New South Wales Treasury and the Department of Premier and Cabinet. Well, he had quite a few there. He, well, they're, they're the three areas, if you like, that mm. are supporting this whole review, and Ken's job is to talk to some various stakeholders. Mm. So I was lucky enough or, or quite pleased to get an invitation along to sit around a round table. Obviously, they didn't invite 128 mayors along, 128 councils in New South Wales. So you're one of the select few? One of the select few. I don't. They ran two sessions, one okay. on Monday and one on Thursday, so I don't know who was at the Monday session, but at the Thursday session. Looking for your feedback on certain areas, were they? It was really just to get a bit of a snapshot on things that are important from a regional perspective and just a a few questions. Now, we spent an hour and a half. There were eight of us in that particular meeting. I won't go through every topic for the next hour and a half, obviously. But it was really a bit of a focus on regional. What things can we do better to support regional? Mm -hmm. Some of the programs that are in place now, are they working? Are they Mm -hmm. not working? How can we modify some of those? So it was a, a good chance, I suppose nice to be asked along there in the first place, mm. but a good chance just to really push some ideas. And I suppose when I do things like this, I don't always feel like I'm pushing just the Dubbo barrow. Mm. I feel like I'm pushing regional. Mm. And that may sound wrong in some respects that it should just be Dubbo, Dubbo, Dubbo. But, no, I, but also, I imagine too that a lot of the mayors in the region would have very similar causes and concerns. Spot on. And I also feel like it's a victory for... Dubbo when good things happen in regional areas. Mm. So if something happens, Mm. if they move a government department to Orange, for example, I don't feel like that's a loss for Dubbo. Mm. I think it's a win for regional. So it is one of the things that I do talk to the other mayors of similar cities in regional areas, the the Tamworths, the Orange, the Bathurst, the Wagga. Dubbo is obviously better than all of those, of but they, it is. they're similar. It's given. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's really important. So, again, some of the pictures there were really about getting people to regional areas. The workplace hub that we've talked about before, yes. the building being the new building that we built in Carrington yep. Avenue, yep. more of those. I'd love to see more of those workplace hubs mm. in lots of regional centres. So that was people. a main point of discussion, was it? Or? No, there were a number of points of discussion, but that was one of them. Mm. Getting people to regional areas from metro areas, a mm. few programs that we've talked about in the past. We've had some Evo Cities education programs, for example, in the past. Mm. So really talking about some of those. Mm. One of the things that they wanted my opinion on, which is interesting, were things called special activation precincts. And we've got a few of those along the inland rail route. Yeah, so right. there's one so at Parks. That? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> 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 I think there are many people in the state who ask what, yeah. what they are. But I think, so there's one in Wagga, one in Parks, one in Moree, one in Narrabri. Right. And and there's not one in Dubbo, and we're not directly on the inland rail route. And I think we're probably big enough and we're good enough industry that we probably don't need to be a special activation precinct. Mm. But I think the general idea, to paraphrase a huge amount of strategic work, but to yes. paraphrase that in, in a couple of sentences, yes. I think the idea is to for the government to encourage and probably spend money on areas where you can start to build up some industry hubs or some circular economy where you might get industries that feed off each other. And I spoke to Ken Keith, the Mayor of Parks, recently about the one in Parks, and from his perspective, it's fantastic because there are industries... So it's working? It's working in a place like Parks because 
it's a bit smaller and yeah. sometimes you might need some little gentle nudges from a government mm. to encourage some industry to, to start to pick up there. And I think America does it really well. Yes, America's population mm. is much larger, mm. but they do seem to have lots of industry in regional locations, mm. whereas in Australia we seem... Don't they in they do, areas, they do. Yeah. And in Australia we seem to focus along the coast. So I think yeah. there's some logic and sense in that. I'm not slashing my wrist that... Dubbo is not a special activation precinct. This is something that happened many years ago that mm. they nominated these areas because I think, again, we've got enough other things that are happening for us mm. that, again, it's one of those things that's a regional focus. If parks becomes bigger and more industry in parks as a result of this, I think that's okay. Mm. It doesn't have to be all about just Dubbo because I think it's a symbiotic relationship in regional areas. Yep. We feed off each other and trying to do all in one spot in Dubbo, sometimes you just can't mm. make it all happen in that one spot. That's right. So that was an interesting one because, again... I haven't taken a huge amount of notice of that, so I didn't have an absolute definitive view on special activation precincts yeah. as they're related to regional cities, but I think definitely for a Narrabri and Moorina yeah. Parks, I think they're probably very was, was important. Was there anything specific from the meeting that uh, you can take from it and go, look, I think from Dubbo's point of view, it's, it's a really important one? I think at this stage it's review, review, review. Okay. <laughs> Do you get a follow-up on this? So they, they give you a sort of bit of feedback in regards to what they've decided to take on board or you just have to sort of wait and see? You do wait and see what they come out with okay. in a final report. But this is a bit of a, a rush one. Sometimes these things can take a year or more. Mm. But Ken did mention that the government wants to report out sometime in July. So okay. that's a fairly compressed time frame yep. Yep. to get some feedback, get some information, and away you go. But you do remember we talked about that workplace hub and you remember I talked about that meeting that I attended yeah. back yeah. in 2003. 13, the decentralisation yes, task right. force yeah, yeah. and that task force report that came out then had various recommendations including the idea that yep. I had the combined agency teleworker office, the yeah. CATO. Sort of shows they listen. Exactly right and it shows in those reports you've got that information mm. sometimes it might take 10 years before yeah, that's something right. happens yeah, from yeah. them but I think again it's good, it's better to be at the table and having those discussions than to not be at the table so that was an important part and we'll see what happens as a result of that. Well done. Also notice here, uh, Matt, that you, uh, you flew back down to Sydney, so you came back home, flew back down to Sydney again, and this time around, you had a meeting with some of the country mayors. This uh, is, yeah, this is a, an organised, a formal organised group called Country Mayors. Oh, so actually called Country Mayors, called that's, country that's mayors. the title. That's right. But no acronym. No acronym for that oh, one, I'm sorry. <laughs> CMA, Country Mayors of Australia, no, it's actually only in New South Wales, so uh, CM, maybe? CM, yeah, CM, not yeah. That country really. music, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> not that good one, is it? So... Country mayors, basically, we have meetings typically at Parliament House. We typically get the members bringing forward any problems, ideas, issues, etc., things to talk about, ideas to discuss, and we typically have some ministers or members of Parliament come along and talk to us. And I must admit, the first meeting after an election, in particular with a change of government, yes, I've never seen so many ministers and shadows come along and oh, talk to us. <laughs> Normally we have a couple come along. Yeah, Normally yeah, we have a couple yeah. of ministers and maybe a really? couple of shadow So they're all there, were they? Well, we had two ministers come along and talk to us and eight shadow ministers come along and talk wow. to us. <laughs> so, that's that's so saying a bit to me, actually. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, actually. And so that was good. So we had Rose Jackson. Right. Um, she's the minister for everything at the moment. I think she's the, okay. she's the minister for water, housing, homelessness, mental health, youth, Holy and boy. North Coast. What? So, so that's Rose Jackson. <laughs> so she's an MLC. So she's a busy she, lady right there. Yeah, so she came along and talked to us. And I've got a meeting with her. I think next week or maybe the week after. Anyway, I've got to go to Sydney and, and oh, meet wow. with her. 
mainly because she spoke about Dubbo's water before the election. So I reached out to her and said, okay, okay you've got some questions about Dubbo water. Happy to take some money from the government if you're offering that. Mm. Happy to talk to you about that. Mm. And she said, wait till the election's done and then we'll have a meeting after that. So I've got a meeting oh, lined up with her. And we've also had Jenny Aitchison who came and spoke to us at Country Mayors. She's the Minister for Regional Transport and Roads. Yep. And I've met with her already in the past. But mm. again, a pretty good program for her to talk about because regional roads, she's already added uh, some money to the bucket of money that was there for regional roads. So that's good. But again, it's great to have the group around. They give us a bit of an overview where yep. they're at and then questions from the members. And they're actually quite productive, I think. And the members ask pretty sensible questions. Mm. And it's a pretty tough room. If mm. you stand up as a mayor in that room and ask a question that's a bit silly, the rest of the mayors will let you know about it pretty oh, quickly. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no hiding in that space, is there? There's no hiding at all. Yeah, so, right, okay. But it's good because it means then that the ministers that give us their time yeah. come along, they're going to get sensible questions, and they're not going to get mm. something that's very specifically focused around one yeah. area. They're going to be pretty broad general questions. Yeah. And then we had the... Leader of the National Party, Dougal Saunders, oh, I yes, remember. Yes, he came yes. along as well as, again, he's a, a shadow as well. So there were eight shadows in total yeah. that came and yeah. spoke to us and gave us a bit of an overview of where they're at. But they're still trying to find, I think both sides are trying to find their feet. Yeah, yeah. The government haven't been in government for 12 years. So they're trying to work out how that works, get yeah. staff employed, get their offices set up. And the shadows who have been in government, uh, then you could almost see that they were just trying to find their feet, mm. work out what's our new role. Yeah, how do we fit into this? That's thing exactly right now? it. Yeah, and and yeah. Dougal actually mentioned that he he said we we're just getting up to speed with mm. what we'll do and how we'll go about things because mm. it is a bit different because mm. Mm. in the past they were holding onto the reins of the horse. Now yeah. they're sitting in the carriage. Well, it's a really interesting question in regards to that. Like from where you sit too as a mayor, just sort of just off topic for a slight in a second. Um, if you wanted to to speak to someone right now down one of the ministers, do you speak directly to them or do you have to go through the local member here still or how does it all work from that point of view? A bit of both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You'll reach out to the ministers to talk to them but you also, as a courtesy, let the local member know. So you might, for example, send a letter off and as a result of our council meeting, which we may even talk about in this podcast, but mm. we're sending off a letter to a minister. But the the people that will, will go to it will be the relevant minister, but also the courtesy that will always mm. go to the local member because you okay. still want your local member in there advocating for things and having yep. those discussions. And there will be times when you'll say, I'm having no luck getting a member uh, meeting with a particular minister. So you go to your member and say, can you chase it up? And I've certainly done that at the federal level. In fact, all my time as mayor previously with Dubbo City Council and mm. now with Dubbo Regional Council, I've always had the luxury of the local member being in government. Yes. So yes. it's been... A, a, a one-step process, if you like. Yeah, yeah. But in federal government, I've had times during that time where we've had the federal government being different to the local mm. member. So Mark Colton has been the member and, and then with Wellington Andrew G is the member there. Mm. So with Mark Colton in the past, when Labor's been in power, for example, and Mark's obviously part of the coalition, Mark's certainly been very helpful getting us meetings with ministers when we haven't been able to get those meetings yep. with ministers ourselves. So that's something that you just, you work with it and it's courtesy, it's communication, it's making sure you're keeping everyone in the loop, you're not trying to go behind someone's back, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yep. It's it's just common courtesy dealing yeah. with humans, I yeah, suppose. That, that's it. And uh, again, this is a bit new new yeah. for Dougal, yeah. new for me in terms Absolutely. of that. So yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see how that all washes out. But other things that we had at the country mayors. So we had the chair of IAPART, Carmel Donnelly, come and talk to us. Right. Now, IAPART is not the most popular organisation with Who's IPART? councils. IAPART is the Independent Pricing and Regulatory Tribunal. Ooh, the main okay. reason we deal with IAPART or hear from IAPART is because 
they set the rate peaking amount each ah, year for councils. Oh, okay. So this year for the next financial year, it's set at 3.7%. Yep, yep. And we've seen inflation sit more around 7%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we're doing things with our building products, where we're just running council, yep. we've seen 7% increase in some of those expenses. But well, we, can we talked only, about some of these things last week, didn't yeah, we? We yeah. can only put the, the rates up by 3.7%. Yeah. And we think they lag behind in their methodology. So that was something to talk about. And was, they are was actually that a heated discussion, was it? Or? No, it was actually quite good because... Carmel had already heard from a lot of councils mm. and she said, here's the methodology we're going to work on in the future. Mm. And she laid out the plan and people in the room, and in fact, some of the questions were more statements saying, well, that's good. You've listened to us. Smart move. That, that methodology mm. looks like it's going to deliver us better results. Yeah. So that was an interesting discussion. And then we also had just a few things that have been brought forward by members because you can bring forward ideas if okay. you want. And one of those was that daylight saving be reduced. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I must admit, I like this idea. Talk so, me through it. Was it supported or was it uh, defeated well, it was, unanimously? I'll get to that in a moment. Oh, okay. But so any any mayor or any council can bring forward yeah. an idea, and this one was brought forward by one council. So rather than the six months effective we have it now, first yeah. weekend in October yeah. to the first on. weekend in April, and I think the point was made that it, that was introduced for the Olympics around that time frame, and then it kind of stayed there. That lengthening of the time frame yeah, was around that 2,000 time frame. Jeez, you you just made me remember that. I, I completely forgot that. I thought it had been in since, you know, Adam was a boy, but obviously not. Well, daylight saving has been in for yeah, probably yeah. since World War Two. the extension. But the extension, in. yeah. And it's changed around a little bit over yeah. time, obviously. So that was one. And I actually was interested in this because I yeah. think sometimes with daylight saving, it almost becomes a bit of a divide about how far out west you go. Like Queensland obviously doesn't have it. And yes. Northern Territory, so you go up high, you don't have it. But then in the city, I think they tend to like it more than it happened or the mm. people like it out mm. west. So I was actually interested to see how it would go. So a bit of debate back and forth, a few ideas came forward and back. And then there was a vote, obviously. And yes. it was pretty tight, but yeah. they voted in favour of having a, a formal recommendation from country mayors to say reduce the length of daylight saving. Now, okay. we can't do that, obviously. Yeah. But it's but a recommendation put forward. Correct. And then that goes to the state government to say country mayors, as an association, have discussed this and as a group, we would like you to reduce that by the two months. So basically have a four-month daylight saving yeah, rather right, than six okay. months. Yeah, so those sort of things. Again, sometimes you get a little bit outside your lane, but this is feedback from the community to say, we want daylight mm. saving reduced. Mm. I must admit, I don't hear that feedback much, but I think yep. some of the other councils that are maybe more rural might yeah, hear a bit more yeah. of that, that feedback. So anyway, it's a good chance to talk to... It's those space sort of moments, isn't it? Now? Well, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a, new, a new government comes in, they may yeah, well say, yeah, well, let's have a look at this. But again... One of the things I find most valuable is you'll sit around and you'll hear some of these presentations and talk to some people. And I did catch up with Jenny Asherson again mm. because I'd met with her before and she was there, so it was a good chance to catch up with her. Yeah. But other mayors, that's the, the thing that I find mm. really valuable. Mm. Morning tea, you sit around. After the meeting's finished, you sit around, have a bit of a chat. Yeah. What's happening out in your area? How are you dealing with this? Are they all similar sort of complaints? They vary and yeah. there are different councils and they do vary in different ways. Mm. Sometimes you have some things in common or sometimes people just say, we've had this issue, what are you mm. doing about that? The emergency services levy, we've talked about that. I that was imagine a bit that of a topic. would have been topical, yes. Yeah, absolutely. that was a topical discussion. Yeah. And we feel a bit hamstrung on that. What can mm. we do about that? Mm, don't know. Yeah, but, that's right. But again, sometimes you share that pain as well. Yeah, absolutely. So another productive meeting, I suppose, is the bottom line from yeah. all of that. Well, they say a problem shared is a problem halved. Well, that's that's it is and we did talk about that a bit, about mm. sharing that pain and, and reducing mm. that pain by sharing that pain. Oh, well done. see here the fact that uh, following on from the uh, the country mayor's meeting that you had a uh, a quorum meeting 
the Coalition of Regional Energy Mayors. You guys got together, so talk me through it. Who's this group? Well, this is a, another group, and sometimes you can get too many groups with Boy, councils. There's a lot of groups. You, you know, I, I don't know how you keep up with all these groups. You're doing <laughs> incredibly well. It, it is a bit like that sometimes. You do want to find those groups that have got common interest. Yeah. So you're right. It's a coalition of regional energy mayors. I like to call it the coalition of regional energetic mayors. Oh, excellent. But, so, but, so, but, so these are a little uh, productive little group, are they? Well, it's a fairly new group. Okay. It's interesting because we've got renewable energy zones. We've talked about the three councils in this one. And yep. Bilgandra does also, Gilgandra Shire Council does also get just slightly touched by this renewable energy zone, but probably not yet. It's probably a mm. further stage as it develops further. Yep. So they're certainly in there as well. But there's a group of about 14 councils that will be impacted by the various renewable energy zones. Okay. Yep. And we were at a conference in Canberra last year. It's called ALGA. Mm. And there were a couple of the mayors from a couple of the other areas, mm. just we're having a little chat there one day and someone said to me, oh, Dubbo, you're in a renewable energy zone. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, good, very positive. And mm. oh, we're having a couple of issues with a couple of things there and a few little bits and pieces we talked about. And then someone said, oh, maybe we should just get together. So mm. we actually had a lunchtime meeting organised fairly ad hoc. Right. We just, again, we're at this conference, there was a pub around the corner, how about we go around there, have lunch and just sit around and have a bit of a talk. So we yep. did that and had a bit of a discussion. Yeah. And I was... I must admit, a little bit concerned because there was a lot of negativity in the room around renewable energy zones. Mm, mm. And I understand some of the problems, which we'll get to in a moment, but I just see opportunity. But it was also good. Maybe I was seeing too much opportunity and not enough yeah. of the negative. So it was good yeah. to see the balance. As a result of that discussion, the group said, okay, well, let's get together on a regular basis. Let's just catch up with different things. And we do a little bit via email, but mm. with country mayors, then all the councils that are there at Country Mayors. Mm. So we often use Country Mayors as a time to get yep. together because we're already there yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. than fly down to Sydney separately or rather than organise video conferences. Hey, we're already in Sydney, yep. so why don't we get together? So we did that after Country Mayors. So the link, just again, the, these, this group, they're basically guys that are uh, mayors of areas that have a lot of the renewable energy zones sort of being put into it. Correct. That's okay. exactly right. So to give you an idea, you're talking about Dubbo, Warren Bungle and Windwestern, obviously. Yep. I mentioned Gilgandra there. But you've got places like Walker and Upper Hunter and Inverell, Urala, Blaney, Musselbrook, Singleton, yep. Tamworth, Armadale, yep. Glen Innes. So you've got their various ones there. And again, the central west Arana, yep. we know about and we understand where those are. The next one will be the New England. So that'll be more Armadale mm. and Tamworth and some of those areas up there. So we had a meeting. We actually had a couple of, or three actually, members of the staff from Penny Sharp's office. Mm. Now, Penny was coming but again, new officers, new staff, getting things sorted mm. out. They actually double booked Penny. Oh. <laughs> and I did say to the yes. chief of staff when he came along, and said, oh, look, sorry, we've double booked Penny. Yep. I said, well, that's a bit unfortunate for the other meeting Penny was meant to be at because obviously this would be the more yeah, important that's right, meeting. absolutely, yes. Yeah. But it wasn't. Them, she went to the other ones. one, unfortunately. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, so she's the Minister for Climate Change, Minister for Energy, Minister for the Environment and Minister for Heritage. Is, is there a minister for just maybe one portfolio or, or are <laughs> well, they all getting well, multiples? Jenny, Jenny has one portfolio. Oh, she has one. Yeah, okay. that's right. But this is one that's got four. Yeah, so yeah. we had a staff member from the Department of Planning and we had Energy Co. James mm. Hay, the CEO, who I'd only met with on Tuesday night. He was there again as well. But one of the things that is interesting around the room mm. is I still find a little bit of negativity. Some people are still worried about the destruction of pristine land, and mm. I understand that. Mm. But I'd still rather see a wind farm on some nice land rather than a coal f a mm. coal mine mm. and then a coal-fired power station. Yes. Yes. So I understand that problem. Some other problems that I don't quite get, and I said this at the meeting, I don't quite understand the logic of some of these. Some people were in the room and they said, we don't want all these people coming into our 
places and living there for a few years while they're under construction and destroying our tourism for those small communities. And I said, look, I, I thought in regional areas we were desperate to get people mm. to mm. come and see our places, to live in our places, to move from mm. metro areas. But maybe the chance they'll stay. <laughs> That's kind of the logic. And yeah. so I didn't quite understand. And, and funnily enough, one of the mayors there said that about 15 years ago, he was arguing with the Department of Planning when mines were coming into their locations, mm. that they wanted them to stay. They actually put conditions on the mine consent that they weren't to build mining camps. They had to have these people live in this community. Right. And now it seems like they're arguing the opposite. We don't want them living in our community yeah, and taking yeah. up all our accommodation. We want them to live in a mining camp. Yeah. I'm a little bit confused and a little bit concerned that there is so much negativity. Keep in mind that council is not the consent authority when it comes to these large-scale renewable energy projects. What we can do is maximise the opportunity. And yeah. I suppose that's where I'm coming from. I'm saying it's going to happen. Hmm. You can't stop it. It's not going to stop. But you can sit there and complain about it and say this is terrible or work out ways that we can maximise the opportunities. Hmm. And I suppose that's what some of the other mayors are doing, yeah. maximise the opportunities by not having them destroy their communities when they come in. But yeah. I just see having people come in. And again, I'm thinking of the opportunities for Wellington and Bedangra. Yes, what yes. a great way that we can maximise. It's actually right, because surely some of these areas must be struggling to get some people into these towns. It's across the board. It's, it's not right. just here. I, I had a, an email from a student in a, at a Sydney school the other day who said, can you give me some comments about the demise of population in regional areas? And mm. Well, it's a bit of a two-speed economy in regional areas. You've mm. got cities who are growing and growing quite well, but some of the smaller communities sometimes do struggle. Yeah, so yeah. getting an injection, this to me is like a free kick. Fantastic. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting to have that discussion. But again, maybe tamper my enthusiasm a little bit and just see mm. what other issues there might be there. Yeah. And there's certainly challenges, there's no doubt about that. But let's see, let's embrace it yeah. and see how we can fix those challenges. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is that it was proposed that this group be formalised, pay $5,000 a year membership, have a chairperson who was self-nominating as chairperson, right. have, a, have the chairperson as the person who makes statements on behalf of all these councils and on social media statements and setting up a How website. How many times a year do you meet? Well, usually it'd be four times a year, typically. Okay. So it's a, yeah. And I, I actually said no to all of that. Okay. <laughs> I said, yeah. okay. I don't think we need to formalise it. I don't think we need to get to the stage yeah. of formal. We, as Dubbo Regional Council, had created a framework that we've talked about before. We shared that with a group. Yeah. We don't expect you to pay us for that. We're doing it anyway as yeah. part of what we need to do. Because yeah. one of the other councils said, oh, we just got some legal advice and that cost us about 10 grand, so we'd like to cover those costs. Well, I don't think it's fair to make every council yeah. pay for those costs. So I'm not the most popular with some of those other mayors mm. who are really keen on this to be formalised, but I just think it needs to be a group that gets together, discusses a few issues, and then goes off and does their own thing. I mean, we talk with Warren Bungle and Midwestern yeah. on a regular basis about our renewable energy zone. Yeah. The three of us have not suggested, and I don't think we will, to formalise it and form an incorporation mm. or pay money to it. It's mm. just we do some video conferences or we get together and just talk about things. How are you going with this? And what about that? And yep. let's meet with Energy Co. and chat to those guys is, about is, things. Is their reasoning and rationale behind maybe wanting to create this so that they feel as though they would then maybe have more sway with state government? That was certainly one of the arguments put forward is that then we've got a, a bigger voice. Yeah. But my biggest concern is that the voice that I'm hearing in that group may not be the same as the voice of Debo Regional Council mm, or may mm. not even be the voice of Central West Orana Regional yeah. Energy Zone. Well, see, I'd line, be careful which wagon you, you sort of attach yourself to. And and I don't know that I'd want representation saying this is all bad and we don't want people living in our communities when I'm saying the opposite of what mm. we want in our communities. So mm. 
it's a fine line. When you when you join a group, you're accepting the group mm. view, if you like. Mm. So yep. I don't know where that'll go. Okay. The terms of reference that were drawn up initially, I certainly could not support. The general managers might do some more work on those terms of reference. But to me, it really is just a chance to have a bit of a chat, discuss ideas, put forward some concerns. And the concerns are very different across mm. some of those areas mm. and, and maximise this opportunity. That That's the bottom line here. Yeah. This is a once in a multi-generation opportunity yep. to really jump on this and get some advantages again for areas that would absolutely yeah. need it. And it might be 10 years of construction we're talking about here. Yep. So having that many people in there and then after 10 years, yes, you certainly have to have plans. But, but you've got this 10 years forever. now to actually try to create something for your, right. your communities. And yeah. I think of Mudgee. Mudgee gets 35% of their direct income from the mines around Mudgee at the moment. Wow. Now, as happened with that Department of Planning process years ago, those people are living in Mudgee. Yeah. But once those mines close down, which they will, yeah, yeah. where are those people going to go? Now, if they've got renewable energy projects to work yep, on, that's right. then straight away, well, we can just yeah. keep those. We like living in Mudgee. We just yeah. need to sort of change our job options. Yeah, Exactly yeah. right. So that could be fantastic. So you, yeah. the last thing you want to do is send these people away and say you can't live here and go and build a mining camp. And we yeah, don't want this to happen yeah. for someone like Mudgee. Now, they might only get another 10 years of that construction work. Yeah. Who knows what happens next, but embrace those opportunities yeah, now. I agree. Now, the council meeting. Last, uh, let's have a look and see. Last Thursday night, there was a council meeting there the uh, in the Wellington Chambers. And from the sound of things, uh, Matt, this wasn't just a, a normal little council meeting. This actually became uh, quite a boisterous council meeting. Am I right in saying that? Normally, you'd think that would be some councillors getting a bit boisterous. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yes. But yes. public forum, I had to actually raise my voice a couple of times. Really? Very unusual Goodness for me, me in general, but for me at a council meeting. Wow. I, I don't remember the last time I had to raise my so voice what, at a council what, what meeting. What was going on? Like, what was causing the, the guffuffle? We have public forum at the beginning of every council meeting. Okay. I love public forum. Yeah. Anyone can come along from the community and you've got five minutes to say whatever you want to say within reason. Mm-hmm. It usually is meant to be linked to some item on the agenda or something that council controls, okay. but people come along and talk about all sorts of various So anyone things. can do this, you can just sort of turn up there and... and you normally register to yep. talk, but, but you then can turn up there. And we allocate 30 minutes at the beginning of a meeting to yep. say, you can come along and have your say about things. And it started off interestingly because someone had registered and then they'd registered and stood up to talk and there was two of them. I said, that's fine, you can have your five minutes shared yep. if you like. And they said, no, no, we want to start with one and then have... My other guy, I said, well, you can have one as a registered. You can't just yep. share it around yep. and, and we've got to be fair to everyone that Absolutely. wants to speak. Yes. They started off, one person started off, and they were throwing some insults at our staff. And oh, really? I, okay. I, I stopped them and said, yeah. this is not designed to be something where you can just start to insult yeah. staff. I'm asking you to refrain from insulting staff or yeah. anyone for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you insulting someone in the, in the public gallery, for example. Yep. I don't want you making defamatory statements. There's yep. no parliamentary privilege here. You're just out there making statements. This is being streamed. I've already said to everyone it's being streamed live to the internet. So anyone that wanted to sue you, there's a fairly wide audience there. So she took that advice and then continued to insult the staff, (laughs) (laughs) calling them liars and all sorts. I said, no, I'm sorry, you you can't keep doing that. Again, there you go. Finally, she settled down and and had her opinion. And then the husband who had initially stood up together, stood up talking, I said, no, no, you, you had your registration for five minutes. Yep. That's yours done. We'll have a chance after all the other registered speakers if you want to speak then. Yep. Next speaker got up, registered speaker, had quite a sensible point of view and put yep. some things forward. Then 
this other speaker got up. And again, he wanted to start insulting staff and said that he was being called a liar. And I, no, no, I'm I've sorry. I've got to go round two. <laughs> That's right. So you, you can't God. be doing that. Yeah. So finally, he got to the stage where it was settled down enough yeah. and, and continued on. Then uh, I had a couple other speakers and again, quite sensible. Then another speaker got up to talk about drug rehab and started directing some comments at one of the councillors and saying, this councillor sent me an email. And they said, hold on a second there, madam. Really? I'm sorry, you can't yeah, be insulting. Right. Yeah. When I said insulting staff, I, I probably, the banner covered our councillors as well and, yep. and everyone, you can't be doing that. Yep. And then she wanted to keep talking. I said, I'm sorry, madam, I, I'm asking you to stop yep. very politely and just hear what I've got to say and she wanted to keep talking. So I actually had to end up raising my voice really? that to right? get her to stop talking. Yeah. The school teacher in you came out of you. There it was. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But again... We want people to come along mm. and talk, but we don't want people sitting up there no, just throwing no. insults around the room. So finally she got to the point where it was a bit calmer. One of the things that was interesting is that she'd sent an email out to all councillors mm. and I'd answered her. Sometimes when that happens, I'll answer on behalf of council, but every councillor can answer if they wish. Mm. So I'd answered on behalf of council and one of the councillors had answered her, doing the right thing, mm. but the insults she was throwing around were directed at the councillor, the one councillor who mm. answered her. And mm. I thought... It's a bit harsh on that council. He's yeah, taking the time right. to go through and answer yeah, yeah. and give well, his she opinion. Wasn't happy with the answer. Didn't like the, the opinion, didn't like the answer, mm, but mm. didn't insult all the other councillors who hadn't answered it, just <laughs> the ones who'd just taken the, one the time. Who did. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. anyway, hopefully that settled her down. And then the next guy that stood up to talk, he said, I've got a bunch of questions here. I just need some answers to these questions. And I explained that public forum is not a QA session. Yes. Public forum, you've got five minutes yep. to put your opinion say forward. Say your piece as long as within reason. That's right. Have your say. Try and influence councillors about how they might be voting on something yeah. if you like, but it's not a Q&A session. Yeah. Well, I've just got some answers here. I just want some yes or no answers. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. There's lots of opportunities to have that. You can talk to us after the meeting. You can send an email. He actually was on the Wellington Town Committee, so you can bring these concerns yes. to the Wellington Town Committee. Yes. But if you've got a question, I personally wouldn't wait till a council meeting. No, no. Send I'd, an email to you. That's right. Send an yeah, email. Yeah, pick up the right. phone, whatever. That's There's so right. many yeah, ways yeah. to communicate with council. So he wasn't very happy. He sat back down. So... so <laughs> <laughs> i got nothing else to say. <laughs> and even if you had, I suppose one of the things he could have done, and I didn't suggest this to him, but he could have also said, well, I've got some questions. How about I just turn them into statements and mm. then away he goes. He could yep. have done that. But anyway, he sat yeah. down. So it was a fairly boisterous start. And yeah, from yeah. my perspective, I want to hear from the public. I want to have a, a well-conducted meeting. Yep. I don't want to be having no. to raise my voice. So this all people. happened at the start of the meeting? Because <laughs> public forum is the first thing. Oh, my thing. God. <laughs> so you're going to sit for another couple of hours now. You've got these guys sitting in the back gallery there, so looking at him growling and frowning. Give you some death stares from the back. Oh, there. my goodness. <laughs> well, you've done well from the sound of things. Well, it was it was an interesting start, put it that way. Not the ideal start, I would typically yeah. say, to, to a meeting. So anyway, yeah. we, we, we continued on for the rest of the meeting. Oh, well done. It looks like, Matt, uh, we'll just start to work our way through some of these agendas. There's a little bit to get through here in regards to it. We'll start with Bowles, New South Wales. Now, we talked about this, I think, on a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Is this mm. the one? So uh, has, has there been a decision made in regards to whether or not council will support Bowles, New South Wales, in their endeavour to come out here and bring their New South Wales championships out here? Yes, there has. Okay. And one of the things that people don't realise is how much work lots of people do behind the scenes when they see mm. something appear or they see something go through a council meeting, for example. Now, you remember at the committee meetings a couple of weeks ago, there was a request from Bowles, New South Wales, for $25,000 from council mm. to support an event, which will be a fantastic event mm. for Dubbo. Yeah. 128 years they've been running state championships. Right. All of those 128 years have been running in metro or some coastal areas yep. fairly close to metro so this areas. is the first time potentially they're going to come out regional? 
Correct. Okay, And wow. they want to come to Dubbo, which That's is fantastic. Now, it's not a coincidence, it's not a fluke they want to come to Dubbo. Club Dubbo ran a major event that they ran off their own back yep. to have an event that was a very rich event. <coughs> so an event that was, I can't remember the exact richness of it, but something like the richest bowls event in the Southern Hemisphere or the richest bowls event in Australia, yeah, but it was not? certainly something in a certain category. So Club Dubbo did a great job and they had a huge number of people come along, well supported and Bowls New South Wales obviously looked at that and went, oh, they could mm. run a major event. a great event. club. They do a great thing and they That's can run right. a big operation. And they shared that amongst a couple of clubs because mm. there, were, there were too many people there. But also the state championships are too big to run at one club. So even when they do take them to other locations, they do need to have multiple clubs. Yeah. So there have been some work done by Club Dubbo, certainly some work done as well just in showing what was available by other clubs, Macquarie Club, for example, Sporties Club. So behind the scenes, Bowls New South Wales certainly knew that there was capacity mm. to run events. So well done to those organisations for a start. Yeah, yeah. Then they came to council. They realised that some council helped. Now, the problem with the 25 grand was our staff said, well, that's our entire budget for mm. event attraction blown mm. in one yeah. event. Now, it might be a great event, but there's other events that may not need so much. What do we do there? Mm. We talked about that and said, okay, well, let's support them in principle. Let's see in the meantime if we can work on something. So I've probably spent eight hours yeah. in the last couple of weeks on the phone to Bowles, New South Wales, to the three different clubs. Yeah. Because I wanted to see, first of all, how likely we were to secure it, yep. and also multiple years we want to secure it for, mm. and I want to reduce the $25,000. The problem when council pays the money for an event is we take some of your ratepayer money, yep. we give it to an organisation to run an event, but we don't get, the council doesn't get any money back at that. Mm. So we're really just spending your money on helping out accommodation providers or mm. hospitality providers mm. or whatever it might be. In this case, the three bowls clubs will be the primary beneficiaries. Mm. So I wanted to just have a discussion. And in the end, I went back to Bowles and said, is there anything we can do in a contra way? Is there anything we can do to help reduce your costs yep. or the costs, the costs, and what are the costs, the exact costs? In line costs. what you did with the, the touch football sort of thing almost. Exactly right. Yep. And so we had some discussions there back and forth. And in the end, they came back and said, we can't see anything that council can do to help us out directly with some other help because we're really running these at the bowls clubs. Mm. And we've worked out the total cost for us because they were going to go and talk to the bowls clubs separately to council. Total cost to us was $55,000 to take it regional. Right. So we need to get, to, to be able to justify to our board to run this regionally, we need to have $55,000. So mm. I said, great, we've got the number. Now let's have the discussion amongst the three clubs mm. and council and see how we can go with $55,000. Mm. So a lot of moving pieces yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time there. It's like a game of chess. Well, it got even more complicated than that because they also said we'll have a primary host club right, and two co-host clubs. Okay. And the primary host club would be the one typically that would have more greens, but also yep. they would get the semifinals and finals. So a yep. bit of an advantage for them. They'll get yep. more events run there. So they should pay more than the other clubs. So I'm assuming then the other two clubs will go, well, that's all fine, but they can pay more. Correct. Mm. That's right. And that yep. seems fair and reasonable. Yep. That's so. Right. More discussions were had around all of that. Yeah, right. Uh, getting an understanding of this. I'm not a bowls expert, obviously, yep, but yep. just seeing they're having those discussions. So in the end, the clubs were all fantastic to deal with. Those three clubs Excellent. wanted this for Dubbo. They knew how important it was, and they were all happy mm. to contribute funds, and they are happy for council to contribute a little bit as well because it is yep. good for the overall community. Yep. So we came to the figure of $40,000 that yes. the clubs will contribute, yep. $15,000 that council contributes. Brilliant. So that was good. That reduced it by yeah, $10,000. Yeah. And those clubs will work out the primary host and then the two co-hosts. Yep. That's not for me to get involved in those discussions. Yep, yep. That's for Bowles, New South Wales and yep. those three clubs. But the primary club will pay 20000 the two co-hosts so will pay 10000 a 20-10-10 split sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly right. So, again, really good open discussions, really forthright discussions in terms of the process there. And I think 
it'll be an absolutely fantastic outcome for Dubbo. For Bowls New South Wales, that'll secure it now for 2024 and 2026 and 2028. Oh, in between, they'll go back to some yeah. metro location. Yep. So they'll take so, it. so it's signed, locked in, the whole thing? Well, not, nothing signed yet, but yep. in principle. In principle agreement. In agreement, that's right. Yep. And in principle, those clubs, again, they've got to get their boards on board and all the rest of it. So it's the chairperson of each of those clubs I've been yep. speaking with. But essentially, in principle, yes, we agree to all that. Council, yes, it's a council resolution, so that yeah. $15,000 is yep. guaranteed. But also, the opportunity would... I wanted to stress with Bowls New South Wales is that mm. our events team mm. do a fantastic job. And the, one of the things I do a fantastic job with is helping get some other sponsorship at a local level. Yeah. So also an opportunity there for some co-sponsorship to maybe even reduce brilliant. that $15,000 yeah, yeah. a bit further with some co-sponsorship oh, and, and sharing some of those funds. Yeah. So all of that ends up with a resolution at a council meeting, which we talked about yep. for 10 minutes at the council meeting yep. and job done. Yep. But I don't think many people realise all the work that, Behind the, behind the scenes, the scenes mm. by those bowls clubs, by bowls, mm. bowls, by myself, by our staff, mm. all these different things that happen, which is fine. That's what we do because yep. we want to get good outcomes for Dubbo, but it's yep. always not as simple as what you see. That's right. That, at that a little, little 10 minute discussion there at the council meeting. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And some people might go, oh, $15,000, do we have to pay that? Well, I think, in fairness, I think that's a reasonable sum to pay. I agree. 25, I think, was asking a bit more of council than maybe is fair because the bowls clubs will get benefits out of this. Mm. But I think it's still fair that council. Well, it works pays. with the guidelines now too, so it makes it easier for council staff as well to sign off on. Correct, that too. that's exactly right. Mm. And again, we might have to find some extra money to help with some other events as we go along. But yeah. I think overall, a really good outcome and yeah. lots of discussions to get to that final yeah. point. Well done. Now, this one I'd suggest would have been fairly interesting, Matt. The uh, the rehab centre. Location. Now, this has been a uh, an ongoing uh, discussion for a fair while now, hasn't it? This is the um, uh, the, the local rehab centre, which they're, they're trying to be getting off the ground now for many years. And I know there's been a fair bit of discussion around where this rehab centre is going to be located here in town. Um, do you mind just sort of maybe just giving a little bit of history, first of all, about, I suppose, first of all, um, the, the need for a rehab centre in town and why we feel as though we need one here? And secondly, where the decision has been made to put this now? Well, that's a really interesting question, and there was some debate on at the council meeting. Well, let me go jump forward before I okay. go back. Yep. The resolution from council, basically after a fair bit of debate and a fair mm. bit of back and forth, basically says that we as a community, so council on behalf of the community, have concerns about the current location, and we oppose the current location. Mm. And the part of the resolution is... So this is the proposed current location, is it? Well, I don't even know it's proposed. I think they're saying this is the location. I right, think okay, so this is where, where they're the state government. So, okay. so our resolution was that we oppose the location and then part of the resolution is we'll write to the relevant minister and mm. as I said before, that letter will go to the relevant minister but also will go to a local member, so he's aware mm. of that. Um, and basically ask that for us to work with Western Local Health District and find a more suitable location. So mm. we're not saying that's terrible and sort it out, we're saying, we'll help you. We're happy to sit there at the mm. table with you and give you our opinion or advice on different locations, but ultimately it's not our decision. It's mm. the state government mm. who makes the decision. Health is something that comes under the state government portfolio. So we can't mm. have a resolution. If the resolution said, we'll move the location, I would have ruled the resolution out of order. Yeah, because... You can't literally do that. Yeah, you can't... I, I can't allow a notice of motion or a motion to come through council that is something that council can't actually do. Mm, now, mm. we can send a letter off to the relevant minister. We can raise our concerns and we can say we'll help find a suitable location. They're all things that 
we're legally capable of doing, yeah. but we aren't capable of saying we'll change the location. So it's yeah. a fine line. The Go back a few steps. Part of the debate, some of the discussion of the debate was whether or not actually even getting into this part of the debate was relevant for council. Mm. Now, there were some opinions there at the meeting that said the last council did some things that were, the expression was used, outside their lane. Right. So Local Government Act 993, here are the things you must do. And stick to those, because yep. there's a lot to do in the Local Government Act 993. There's yep. lots of stuff to keep you busy with that. Yep. It was acknowledged that the last council went outside their lane and did things outside their lane. Mm. And whether or not that achieved anything for the time and the money they spent going outside their lane, that was probably, I suppose, a, a really significant part of the mm. debate from my perspective yep. watching it there. Yep. Because the last council went out and they spent money on advocating for a drug rehab centre and spent money mm. literally on advertising and, and a campaign about drug rehab. Yeah. Did it make any difference whatsoever? Mm. We've got no proof of that whatsoever. In fact, the state government said at the time, this was part of our plan anyway. Yep. What council did was totally irrelevant because <coughs> what council did was nothing to do with what the council should be doing. Yep. So whether it made any difference or not, <clears throat> did it put any public pressure on them? I have absolutely no idea. I've got no proof whatsoever. What I have got proof of is while they were focusing on things that were outside their lane, we know the last council lost a bit of focus on strategy, yeah. lost a bit of focus on keeping the budget in the black. We have proof of the things that they didn't do. Yeah. We don't know if the things they did do achieved anything at all. So are we getting to areas that we shouldn't be? That's a really good question. Yep. Can't really tell you that. All I know is we've got a resolution from council that says we'll voice our concerns. Don't have a problem with that. Yep. We'll write some letters off. Yes, don't have a problem with that at all. And say the community's told us this is not appropriate. Yep. And it's, it's obviously not appropriate there, and the community said so that. So basically the decision was made to, I suppose, support what the general community census is? Or Correct. consensus is on this? That's right. And okay. again, will that make any difference? We send off a letter to the state government, and we say the community says this. The state government will say, <coughs> we're the state government, we'll make decisions that we think are in the best interest of the community from our perspective. Right. But again, there's something official on the books from council to yep. say we're opposing the location of it. Okay. Looking here, um, as part of the meeting there during the day of that, that evening, sorry, say Thursday evening, there was a notice of motion for a crime summit. Um, is this, uh, was this sort of explained in regards to what you're looking at here? Is you're asking here, or has council decided on here to actually, um, to create a crime summit, to, to bring people together on this? Is this the plan, or what's, how's this actually work? Yeah, so there was a notice of motion brought forward to have a crime summit. Yeah. And there was a fair bit of discussion about this over the last mm, week. Last few weeks have been very topical. Yeah, 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 exactly right. And whether we do have a crime problem that's out of hand or whether it's cherry-picking some figures and making it look worse than it is. And mm. there was certainly some discussion on Thursday night about the image that sends. If you start saying, mm. Davos, crime's so bad, we need a crime summit, mm. what does that do for our tourism? What does that mm. do for a whole range of things? And one of the things that you typically get outcomes from this, and again, crime, policing is not under council's remit. Mm. One of the things that you sometimes get is you get an alarmist view that makes people think it's a lot worse than mm. it actually is. Mm. And looking at the data, maybe yeah. it's not as bad as people think it is. But there's also lots of things that happen in the background. And certainly I did meet during the week with Executive Director Youth Justice New South Wales from the Department of Communities and Justice. And again, just finding out some of the initiatives, some of the programs that are underway and that are happening as we speak and just seeing what things are happening, mm. I think... Um, those sort of things sometimes are better off happening behind closed doors rather than being out in front of everyone. And yep. there's lots of government departments 
that are talking about this, and these are state government departments mm. typically that are working on all of this. Now, one of the things I think that was important is that we actually had the police come along to our briefing and talk about where some things are at and just giving some information about things that are happening now, strategies that are happening now. So in the end, the call for a crime summit was defeated, Okay, but the emotion that replaced it was a call for a community safety strategy and associated action plan. Now, that's okay because that's kind of happening already. Yeah. It's just refining the focus on that. But again, we won't be able to implement that action plan. Yeah. We will be saying, yes, yeah, sure, let's have a community safety plan and let's continue on that path. Yeah. But we can't make it happen ourselves, if yeah. you know what I mean. Is, is there a situation right now uh, – look, we've talked at um, – quite uh, some length in regards to this, the last couple of weeks in regards to it. Is is there a – are we, we looking at a situation now? Are the statistics, are, are any of the stats showing at all that you're seeing any exceptional rise in crime here in town? If you cherry pick, yes, you can. There are also stats that show dramatic drops in crime. Yeah. And the, the data you get from Boxar – is data that says here's current crime levels, here's uh, two-year trend, here's five-year trend, and you can look at individual ones, compare different LGAs, and even it comes down to the types of crime. So if I look at Dubbo and I look at cocaine, so having people arrested for things associated with cocaine doesn't sound great because you think they might be committing other crimes associated with that. We've got minuscule numbers. I think there were seven Mm. arrests in Dubbo for 2022. I look at some other LGAs and there are 40, 50, Mm. 60 arrests. Mm. So you you pick that and you go, we look good compared to the rest of the state there. And that crime hasn't really gone down. But at seven, the data is so small that if it went from seven to 10, it would be a big jump in percentage terms, but not much. And if it went from seven to five, it would be a big drop in percentage terms. But again, not much overall. So... It depends how you want to cherry pick. You can use stats in any way you like. Yep. There are some stats that are dropping by 30 or 40%. There are some stats that are rising by 30 mm. or 40%. Mm. And again, it comes down to the top of crime. It seems to be more opportunistic crime. Yep. So steal from a motor vehicle. Yep. You walk past a motor vehicle, you see a wallet sitting in there. Oh, look at that. I can mm. grab that and, and run. That's sort of opportunistic crime rather than walking outside a gym early in the morning yep. and having people gun down someone like happened in Sydney. That's right. I uh, feel a bit safe. Yeah. or safer when I walk outside a gym in Dubbo than I would maybe in Sydney, for example. Yeah. But if I leave my car unlocked down the main street of Dubbo, then I may come back and find that yeah. someone's taken stuff out of my car. So it's it's different types of crime. Yeah. It really depends how you want to slice and dice those figures. That seems to be the, the, the general feedback I'm getting from people in regards to this. I've had a few people listen to the podcast and make comments in regards to it and say, well, look, you only look around, you can see the fact there's more burnt-out cars and it's uh, seem to be a fairly obvious place. We've talked about this as well and there's been uh, situations of, of break-ins. Some people have had a couple of situations of break-ins. They seem to be the most obvious ones that cause the, the greatest community concern around the place. Have, have we got any updated figures on any of that? Not really. I mean, we've got figures that are two- and five-year trend figures, but I'm really keen to see the first quarter of this year. Yeah, We should get the January to March figures for this year out in June sometime. They're usually a couple of months behind. So mm. that'll be interesting to see those. And certainly when those figures come out, then we'll talk about those mm. to get a more realistic snapshot of exactly what's happening. And again, depending on different categories, you can slice and dice yeah. them. But the other thing that's interesting is if you drive past a burnout car, you think, wow, they're increasing. Now, the data mightn't show that. It might just be happen to be where you drive past. That's right. I, I see the same with potholes. People yep. tell me that it's getting much better with potholes or much worse with potholes. Yep. It just depends on where they drive, what yes. roads they use. Yes, that's right. And, and so that's the important part. Mm. So, again, it's not council's own responsibility. We'll no. work with the other agencies yeah, yeah. 
but we need them to be doing the, the heavy That's lifting. It. We just don't have the funds or the remit in our legislation to mm. actually do it. Mm. looks uh, interesting. One uh, is part of the discussions again there on Thursday night in regards to uh, councillor and mayoral fees. Now, this is how much, um, I suppose, I'd probably like to refer to it as like a reimbursement of payment rather than a payment because it's quite a nominal fee that you're getting uh, in regards to it. So what was the decision made in regards to the uh, the updated nature of the fees? The first thing that's a little bit dis- disappointing mm. is that councillors have to vote to increase their Wages each year. Yeah, right. So and it's, it's never an external thing. You guys got to do it yourself. Well, first of all, you get the local government remuneration tribunal, yep. and they make a determination as to what the fees can be. Yep. And then it goes to council, and then council. So is that a set fee across the board? It's not, and we'll talk about that. That's the mm. really interesting part out of this. I want to talk about. Mm. So the first thing is that they say here are the recommendations. Here are minimums and maximums that you pay your councillors. So there's a minimum. You have to be paid right. a certain amount yep. as a councillor and as a mayor. You get a separate additional amount. Yep. But the fact that it then comes to council and you have to vote for it yeah, right. seems a little bit rude to me because yep. it's always a bad look to vote for an increase yep. in your own wage. So you have to do this on Thursday night in front of that hostile Wellington crowd as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would prefer that the remuneration tribunal just said, here are yeah, yeah, the new yeah. fees Absolutely. And, and away you go and that's it. The other thing that I think is interesting is the differences and I want to talk about it. So first of all, let's just talk <laughs> about Dubbo. So you're aware of exactly the figures for Dubbo, so nothing's being hidden there. As a councillor, in what's called a regional centre, which is what Dubbo is defined yeah, as, yeah. you get paid twenty six thousand dollars and seventy dollars. Twenty six zero seven zero is right. the amount you get paid. Okay, so not a huge amount yep, for yep. the amount of work you might put no, in. That's right. Keep in mind that until last year, you didn't even get superannuation on this. Oh, Again, really? councillors they they made a recommendation you should get super because all these councillors being paid across the state. Why weren't you yeah, getting yeah, super? Yeah. And so again, last year we had to vote to add super. To our payments. So, I think that would just then, be a normal process. That you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it's almost illegal. So, as a councillor, 26070. Mm. As a mayor, on top of that 26070, you get 64390. So, as a mayor, you're getting about $90,000 yep. for the mayor's job. As yep. a councillor, 26070. Now, that's regional centre is what that definition is there. Yep. We've got a whole range of different categories, principal CBD, major CBD, metropolitan major, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. all the way down to rural. To give you an idea, principal CBD, there is one council defined as principal CBD, that's Sydney City Council. Yep. As a councillor on that, 43440 Right. As the mayor, an extra 238450 Is that right? So as the mayor of... Sydney City Council, about $280,000. Can I ask the most obvious question here? Why, in, in, in any way, shape or form, does the, the, the Mayor of Sydney think that that, that job is, is any more important than your job or the Mayor of Broken Hill or Mayor of Tamworth, whatever? Like, How can they sort of justify the fact that they're going to be working any harder for that type of figure? Well... I don't think it's up to the mayor, remember. Yeah, this true. is the remuneration trial. But so, so looking at that figure, though, it just, it just which is a decision made then by the councillors to, to put them into that space, so that figure. Well, let's go then to the other extreme, mm. go to a rural council. And to give you an idea of some regional rural councils, you're talking about places like Balreynold, Blaney, Boganshire, so out at Ningen, Canamble, yep. Forbes, Gilgandra. Yep. 
that's at the extreme, at the low extreme. A councillor there gets paid $13,030. Right. The mayor gets an extra $28,430. So about $41,000. So at one extreme, as a mayor, $41,000. At the other extreme, $280,000. Can I also argue the fact, I reckon their job would be harder. Because imagine being down on a Saturday morning. Everyone's going to know the mayor in Forbes. That person will walk down the main street, try and have a quiet coffee. I bet you any money, every single day they get someone saying, ah, mayor, I need to talk to you about this. You probably get the same situation here in Dubbo. I'd be suggesting, and I'm not trying to be facetious here in regards to what she does down there in Sydney, but from the point of view of that, it's I, I can't see for the life of me how there's such a disparity here in this wage. It, it is a, a big difference, and I think you're right. The Mayor of Burke, the Mayor of Forbes, the Mayor of Canamble, they're on duty 24-7 oh, every place they go. They yeah, couldn't yeah. go to a sporting match, to a, cof, uh, to a cafe, to a supermarket without someone saying, oh, by the way, while I've got you here, can yeah, you yeah. just fix up this for me, check out that, whatever. Yep. Go to somewhere in between, Parramatta, for example, mm. Parramatta Mayor, Sydney Mayor, Sydney City Council Mayor, Clovermore, most people know her. She's been there for a long time, has got a profile. Parramatta Mayor, most people wouldn't know, most people in Parramatta wouldn't know the Mayor of Parramatta. As a, as a councillor in Parramatta, 36590 the Mayor gets an extra 118210 mm. So in effect, you're getting, as the Mayor, 160, a bit less than 160 grand yep. again. Yep. So one of the things that's really interesting when I talk to some Sydney mayors sometimes is that they look at regional councils, and, and if I just pick on Dubbo, for example, yep. you've got water. We've got three water treatment plants in our LGA. Yep. We've got sewerage. We've got an airport. We've got livestock, Dubbo regional livestock markets. Yep. We've got childcare. We've got a caravan park, yep. and we've still got the council. We've got a $217 million budget. Yes. Sydney City Council's got more like an $800 million budget, so it's a bigger budget. So I think that's the justification from the remuneration tribunal. But, but the decision-making process is still the same. This, you're exactly right. And furthermore, the responsibilities are identical. Absolutely. But sometimes more because in Sydney, you've got Sydney water. You don't, yeah. You're not responsible for water no. in Sydney. No. A lot of Sydney councils don't do sewerage. Yep. A lot of Sydney councils don't do, well, they don't do airports. They yep. don't do so all these other yeah, things. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not complaining. So give me wrong. No, no, no. But it, it, no, no councillor yeah. or mayor that I know goes into this for the money. The only problem is that if you don't pay enough, then you only have people that can afford to be a councillor become a councillor. Mm. In mm. Queensland, for example, they pay the councillors there a linked amount yeah. to how much the state MPs get. And it's a, a linked amount that might be, say, 90% or mm. similar amounts there. Mm. And so effectively, you're getting councillors up there paid $120,000, $130,000. It's their full-time job. Yeah. Do they get better decisions? Well, if it's your full-time job, you can put more time and energy right. into it. So, that's yeah. it. so again, not complaining. And I'm being quite upfront. That's how much yep. I get paid. I don't, so I don't so was this the, the vote then on, was it a vote then on Correct. Thursday? Correct. You have to vote to put those weights up to whatever. You might go maximum, yep. you might go minimum, whatever. So yep. the council voted, the resolution of council was to go to the maximum wage. And again, it might seem like a bit self-serving because you're voting to put your own wage up. But part of it really is you want to encourage people to be on council. Absolutely. And even when you're only being paid a $26,000 amount to be yep. a councillor, it's not really encouraging that much, but the minimum you could pay is 14810 mm. And I mm. think the 26000 would give a little bit more encouragement than 14000 yep. So, yep. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't love the idea that I've got to put my hand up and vote for an increase no, in my no, wage yes. from the public purse, yep. but I still think from a being fair and reasonable point of view, it's fair and reasonable that you pay people something for Absolutely. the work they're putting in. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's, it's still a nominal figure for what they do for what is a, a very important job. As a councillor, absolutely right. 
All right, mates, we've got to uh, that time. It's uh, time for your, it's referred to as the Merrill Memo, but it's no longer, of course, the Merrill Memo. It's now the From the Mayor's Mouth. So we've got the Limerick for the week. Yes. And I thought this week with the discussion around the REAC, if I can keep getting people to talk about the REAC, then that's a good thing. Excellent, yes. So here we go. The power in Bedangra is quite grand, with a visitor centre so planned. Education will take flight in the day and the night in this new renewable energy land. <laughs> I have to say that's probably one of your best ones yet. I did actually enjoy that. Well done, mate. Listen, thank you for uh, sharing all the updates in regards to what happened this week and, uh, you know, all of your travels you went through as well. I hope next week also works out well for you. Until next week, everyone, take care. Straight from the Mare's Mouth with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.